A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. On a summer afternoon in 2016, a 56-year-old Saskatchewan farmer named Gerald Stanley shot an unarmed 22-year-old indigenous trespasser named Colton Bushy in the back of the head. Two years later, Gerald Stanley was acquitted of murder and manslaughter, and nobody was happy. Indigenous communities in Saskatchewan and elsewhere consider the verdict proof positive of racial bias in the courts and a tacit declaration of open season on Indigenous kids and other Indigenous people, including hunters, who take their lives in their hands when they exercise their treaty rights to access land. Meanwhile, rural settlers in Saskatchewan formed a Facebook group called Farmers with Firearms to protest slow RCMP response times to what they consider to be a growing epidemic of rural crime. 8,500 people joined, and the comment section was filled with anti-Indigenous racist rhetoric and vows to exercise vigilante justice on anyone who sets foot on their property. It's hard to imagine two groups of people more opposed to and alienated from each other. Both groups were looking to some external authority, the RCMP or parliament or the courts or indigenous leadership, somebody to please come rescue them 
from the other group. Well, it's five years later now, and that rescue has yet to come. And so some people among those opposing groups have taken matters into their own hands, not through violence, but through a far more radical tactic, sharing. Some Saskatchewan farmers and some indigenous hunters are engaged in something that can only be described with the term reconciliation, a practical, on-the-ground kind of reconciliation. And as you might expect, reconciliation isn't always easy. Freelance reporter Carrie Benjo brings you this true story of reconciliation from Saskatchewan on this Truth and Reconciliation Day. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Charles Ackbin Marchand, Amy Reckling, Bryson McLaughlin, Susan McCormick, Jared Mercer, Charlie Silbernagel, Robert McKinnon, and Sean. I'm Sean, a copywriter from Montreal, and I support Canada Land because it's what I listen to when I want to know what's happening in media across this country and to get a peek at the less than savory things happening behind the headlines that make for very savory stories. Je soutiens aussi Canada Land pour peut-être aider au lancement de plus de balado en français. Toute la francophonie ne peut pas tenir sur les épaules, quoique très compétente. D'Emilie Nicolas. Continuez le bon travail toute l'équipe. On a besoin de vous plus que jamais. This episode is brought to you by Article. Maybe it is more specifically brought to you by the Lana, two N's, Lana Sheepskin Ivory Pillow. You ever, like, go to somebody's house and they just have, like, the comfiest pillow? Just It's just, like, this luxurious, soft sheepskin. Like, you just want to take a nap. Why am I talking about one pillow? Uh, because Article has this really great deal because they think you're going to like Article, so they want to get you in the door. You spend over $100 and they'll give you 50 bucks back. This pillow is $109. It's a really cozy, comfy pillow. And like I said, they are pretty confident that you're going to love shopping with them. That's why they're offering 50 bucks to listeners of this podcast for your first purchase of $100 or more. Could be a pillow, could be something else. Check it out. Have a look at their stuff. Visit article.com slash CanadaLand. That discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash CanadaLand for $50 off of your first purchase of $100 or more. That's an elk bugle. For those of you who don't regularly hunt elk, an elk bugle looks like a vacuum hose with a mouthpiece at one end. It's painted in green and yellow camo. The idea of a bugle is to imitate the call of an elk, also called a bugle, and draw the elk towards the hunter. Two 
My name is Carrie Banjo, and I am the editor-in-chief at Eagle Feather News. I've been a print journalist for more than 20 years. I've stepped out of my comfort zone to tell this story in a different way. Having lived in a city for most of my adult life, when I want anything for supper, I don't have to go very far to find it. In fact, the closest I've come to foraging is visiting two or three supermarkets to find exactly what I need. This way of living is so different from what my ancestors did for thousands of years in this very province. Today I'm in the traditional hunting territory of the Anishinaabe people of Fishing Lake First Nation. And I'm hunting with my friend Arrow and his cousin Jeff. Just like an old road, hey? Not many people come through this land. Let me select a few. And Jeff is one. Did you come here when you were a kid? When's, is it, when's the first time you learned about this land? Oh, I came here as a kid. Teenager? Late dad would come? Yeah. Showed you guys this? In this area here? Hey, Michelle, um, can you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Michelle Brass. Sorry. The day before the hunt, I met up with Michelle Brass at her home in Fort Coppell, Saskatchewan, in the Treaty 4 Territory. Just like Errol, Michelle lives a life tied to the land. For years, she's been picking berries and gathering medicines. She's always done it, but she's always been cautious. After the Colton Bushi shooting in 2016, her caution turned to fear. Rural Saskatchewan became a much more hostile environment. No trespassing signs became more common and more visible. The air was tense. And so we were like, well, where's the other side of this? What are the other voices? Where are the people? You know, there were calls for, you know, from Indigenous peoples to say, like, allies, like, do your work. What are you doing about this? You know, you need to, to speak up and take some action around this. And so... The idea for the Treaty Landshare Network was born, and originally how the idea started was that it was for landowners to post signs on their land saying basically the opposite of a no trespassing sign, saying that we respect the rights, the inherent and treaty rights of Indigenous peoples to access and use these lands as they always have for hunting, for fishing, for medicine gathering, for gathering materials for ceremony, for whatever purposes Michelle is now on the network's planning committee. Currently, the network encompasses the Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territories in Saskatchewan, which covers about half the province. In Canada, there are 11 numbered treaties. Agreements made between First Nations people and the representatives of the Crown, which fall under the jurisdiction of the federal government. The treaties guarantee First Nations access to much of the territory, including many lands that later were sold by the Crown to private landowners. Although the federal government has yet to fulfill its treaty obligations, this doesn't prevent citizens from honoring the land-sharing agreements. The more First Nations people and non-Indigenous people interact, the more opportunity there is to build relationships and mutual understanding. We're looking at two different 
groups of people that have very different worldviews and outlooks on how land is accessed and used and the worldview around even the relationship to the land. So we look at Indigenous peoples that have a deep relationship with the land. You know, every part of our life was informed by the land, by the seasons, by uh, the different territories that we uh, moved in and out of, uh, by different nations, neighboring nations, Indigenous nations. And so the land usage was very different, but we didn't have that concept of ownership. Now, we did have concepts of territories, of you know, territories where we would gather foods and medicines and materials, but not land ownership the way it is defined now by, you know, mainstream, by Canadian society. There's two completely different worldviews. But if you look at Treaty 4, where I'm living, there's a lot of agricultural land, for example, right? You look at one food system, so agriculture, that is completely at odds with Indigenous food systems, which need intact ecosystems, for habitat for animals that we would hunt. And this is a variety of animals from large game to waterfowl to, you know, fishing, as well as gathering a food, so wild foods, berries and medicines. And so when you have these two different outlooks and different usages for the land, um, we're going to clash. The Treaty Land Sharing Network has become a safe place for people to get to know one another and not fear repercussions for thinking outside the box. It's a place to learn from one another and, in some cases, reconnect. This is Morley and Paula. Uh, last name Meyer, M-A-I-E-R. Uh, you realize we are rural Wi-Fi. Morley and Paula Meyer, both in their 70s, own a farm near Yorkton, Saskatchewan. The Meyers each have their own reasons for supporting the network. Many of Morley's childhood friends are Indigenous. We live a short distance from the very significant Métis colony, the Crescent Lake Métis colony. And we also live very close to Little Bone First Nation. And uh, just a bit of history about those two areas. In the late 1940s, it was decided that they would build a school to accommodate the students from Crescent Lake and from Little Bone. My mother was the second teacher at that school. And because she taught there, I was able to attend. And so for uh, seven years, I attended uh, what was known at that time as Crescent Lake School. There were about 45 students. And uh, for part of that time, at least, I was the only non-Indigenous child in the school. Morley knows his experience is unique. There are not likely many non-Indigenous farmers who have had the opportunity to grow up alongside Indigenous people. It is one of the reasons why he feels so strongly about what the Treaty Land Sharing Network represents in the province. Now, when you're a child, and at that time I certainly didn't notice the difference, I didn't feel different, I wasn't treated differently, we were just kids doing our best with our schoolwork and uh, playing like kids do, and so that has certainly uh, something that has made me who I am and made me feel the way I feel and think the way I think about our relationship or treaty relationship with First Nations people. Morley believes in the opportunity and the responsibility of joining the network, of sharing the land with Indigenous people. But he knows that when it comes to those views in Saskatchewan, he's in the minority. 
the Treaty Land Sharing Network, even though it creates a good deal of discomfort, was in part a response to the tragedies around the Colton Bushi killing. Our province has, I think, a well-earned reputation for being an unwelcoming place. For First Nations people especially, it was becoming more and more difficult to find land to safely access so they could continue with the uh, kinds of things that were part of their way of life. And part of what they're wanting to do, very much wanting to do, is revive and uh, sort of salvage what was left to them of their culture after a failed but a pretty good attempt at, at genocide. And when Paula and I look around us, we see the systemic racism, uh, the discrimination that our First Nations uh, friends and neighbors need to deal with. We don't think that our government is helping. Only about uh, 10% of the, of the land in our province below the tree line is not privately owned. That land has become less available to First Nations people, to all of us, but in particular to First Nations people, because now our provincial government has passed some new trespass legislation that says that farmers don't need to post their their land, that the landholders now know that their land is considered private property. If you go there, you're trespassing and you're subject to fines and other sorts of uh, unpleasant things that can happen to you. So, you know, those kinds of things certainly don't help. The other thing that's happening in our province is that that permission is uh, very difficult to get because to find the landholder becomes almost impossible in some cases because large, large portions of our province are now controlled by numbered corporations. And so you can go to a municipal map and all you'll find is a corporate number. And so there's no way that you can actually make contact. So that uh, trespass to property legislation, the uh, privatization of land, the uh, continued sale of crown land over the last 10 years, I think the number is about 2 million acres. Our uh, province has stopped. Now they've placed a moratorium on crown land sales, which is good. But over the past uh, number of years, they have sold Crown land and of course that land then becomes private. That also becomes unavailable for Indigenous land users to access. The sale of Crown lands, changing trespass laws, sale of lands to anonymous numbered corporations, and other problems like deforestation and climate change. It's a daunting list of obstacles for First Nations people trying to exercise treaty rights to land access. So the Treaty Land Sharing Network is a way to kind of bypass some of what we think is not right. Sometimes I view it, us having a, a gate sign that says Indigenous land users welcome is a bit of an act of contempt where we're saying, to our government that your trespass legislation, for example, does not apply here. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community 
They are not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Back to the hunt. In the end, Jeff and Errol didn't get an elk, but we are going to get a roadside coffee. Okay, I'll get an iced Americano with two cream. Iced Americano? A venti. Iced Americano? With two cream. With two cream. On the road, we drive past lands that used to be open. You always hunted there? Always hunted there, yeah. Yeah, we used to hunt right in, in the middle of it, but they they changed uh, SAS Wildlife now. You gotta get permission to hunt there now, huh? You gotta register to hunt there, and you gotta say what days you're hunting there. And then uh, we used to hunt right across that place, now the middle part where you usually go in to get them and we, we, we can't hunt in there with no pressure but we just hunt on the outskirts of it now. Well the elk we used after the elk when they hunted but most are throughout there. Now we have to go to online and go to Saskatchewan Wildlife and you gotta go to permission and you gotta get permission and Has that affected how you hunt now? That affected we can't hunt in the middle of the bush where we always hunted. Oh yeah, that changed everything. Indians can hunt there year round, but now they have the, the doe side, you can't hunt there no more. So unless you, it has to be in the season, you're only allowed to, uh, elk season is for two weeks, and that's the only time we can hunt in that place, and we used to hunt there all the time. And what does it make you feel like to have to ask permission? Uh, that, that, that's your rights, you know, your, your treaty rights are feel deprived from it, and you feel that now they, now those game wardens, they just, they just go for the Indians all the time. They, 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 they send out the Indians all the time. 
Sharing the land? What does that even mean? The Myers have a sign hanging on their gate welcoming Indigenous people to share the land. They've had to do some soul-searching to figure out exactly what that means. In many ways, it seems like a very simple thing to do, but it's not for the faint of heart, because even we, I think, had to learn what sharing really meant. And so you can put the gate sign up and think that, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. I, I'm going to let First Nations people come here and, uh, you know, gather medicines, hunt or rocks for sweats or whatever. But if you're thinking that you're the good guy, you really you need to rethink that because sharing doesn't mean that you're giving somebody something. What you're really doing is getting out of the way and allowing First Nations people to use their legitimate inherent and treaty rights. Really what it means is stop being part of the problem. For rural landholders, even for ourselves, this is, uh, you know, my mom and dad farmed this land, raised their family. We farmed, raised our children, our grandchildren come here. And so for somebody to say, just get out of the way, that's a hard thing to accept because of the, our, uh, we have a pretty strong um, connection to this land. But in the end, that's the right thing to do, and it's a safe thing to do. First Nations land users are not in any way wanting to cause harm or interfere with the uh, legitimate needs of landholders as they go about their business and do what they need to do. So it's a matter of trust and uh, sort of mutual respect and all of those things that in the end is what uh, treaties were supposed to be in the first place. Morley says sharing is hard. It's not a slappy, happy, self-congratulatory sense of being the good guy. It's getting out of the way. It's respect. It's tough self-examination and tough conversations with your neighbors. Michelle Brass wants those hard conversations. It does push up against an edge. And I think that's necessary. I think that's okay. Because as Indigenous people, we're always bumping up against this. It's okay for non-Indigenous people to have some discomfort and to figure something out in this relationship. We have to have those difficult conversations and push back on different worldviews of being paternalistic. And so we don't have that happening as much anymore. We're continually evolving. We're continually getting feedback from people that are on both sides of the network because it is something that continues to grow and evolve. Now, one of the areas that we have heard from people who have come on board as land title holders is concerns about their neighbors. Because again, this is happening in Treaty 4 and Treaty 6 territories where we have high racial tension when it comes to land usage. And so when people sign onto the network, they're putting a sign on their land, they're posting on their land that they are part of the network, which grants access to Indigenous land users. And so some of their neighbors might not like that. Some of their neighbors might have no trespassing signs. Some of their neighbors might really feel like they're the kind of people that were really happy with the Stanley verdict when it came down. And so that requires people in those communities to have conversations or at least be publicly part of the network. And that might be uncomfortable. And that's part of the work that this network is doing is that we have this area, Treaty 4 territory, Treaty 6 territory within the confines of Saskatchewan, where there are, there's this ugly underbelly that we know has existed for such a long time and continues to exist. And Indigenous peoples literally lose their lives. 
And it is really difficult. So as an Indigenous person, I don't think we're asking too much for people to have uncomfortable conversations with their neighbours because it is uncomfortable. And so as Indigenous peoples, it's not safe for us to go and access a lot of land. And so we're asking non-Indigenous allies who want to engage in the work of allyship, post these signs on your land, make it clear to your neighbours that you agree with sharing the land as was intended under treaty and that you respect Indigenous rights and Indigenous peoples accessing the land. It's about putting a political statement out there. It's about making it known to Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples that we don't agree with the no trespassing signs and we don't agree with the tensions and the threatening animosity, the hostility. We want to do something different. As I wrap up my visit with Morley and Paula, I ask them one last question. So do you get a lot of questions from your neighbors because your sign says what it says? Um, you know what? We have people drive by our sign, drive into our yard. Never has anybody ever asked us what the sign means. <laughs> That's neighbors, friends, and relatives. Yes. yes. <laughs> If you ask us why we have a sign up, we may ask you why you don't have a sign up. And so even the conversation, uh, I think, around it all is uncomfortable. And I don't know, I mean, guilt's not a particularly useful emotion, but in all honesty, our uh, landholder neighbors, if they think about it with a clear mind in any way, have to realize that the land they have and the benefits from that land are because of the uh, hardship of uh, Indigenous people. We did some very bad things, which is an understatement, to secure this land for our benefit. And so those conversations are difficult conversations to have, and if we don't need to have them, nobody likes conflict. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but most people prefer to stay away from those kinds of conversations where you have to do some soul searching and and sooner or later you have to ask yourself, what kind of person am I? What kind of person do I want to be? Since 2020, the Treaty Land Sharing Network has grown to include 54 locations and 56,000 acres across Treaty 4 and Treaty 6. Being on the land brought back my own memories of living on the reserve and duck hunting with my father. I left the reserve as a teenager to attend residential school. I never returned to my home community. I have lived my life in the city. I have no connections to the land. Walking through the bush and being in nature was peaceful. It seemed right. I understand why having access to land is so important to people like Jeff and Arrow, as it was to my dad. That is your Canada land. If you liked it, if you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. 
We want to give you all kinds of things, premium access to our shows, an ad-free feed. We want to give you early releases to some of our stuff. We want to give you bonus content nobody else gets, our exclusive newsletter. We want to give you discounts on our merchandise. We want you at our live events. But listen, more than anything, when you decide to support us, what you are deciding to do is to become a part of the solution to this journalism crisis that we're facing right now. You will be keeping our work free and accessible for everybody else. Come do it now. Click on the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. You can email me. I'm at jesse at canadaland.com. I read every email that's sent. We're on Twitter at canadaland. Our website is canadaland.com. Today's report is from Carrie Benjo. Our senior producer is Bruce Thorson. Additional production and editing from Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Annette Ajofo. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Pugliese. I'm your host, Jesse Brown. Our theme music is by So-Called. Syndications handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. You can listen to Canada Land ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to and so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman, found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's gonna get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.